episode 27 of the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Friedman. We thank you for listening. There have been 26 others of the Bearded Carcast, but this is a special one, number 27. This is, is it 27 outs. This is the Carl, this is the Carlton Fisk edition. I thought this was the Bruce Pearl somehow got a contract extension edition. That guy was dead man walking last year. And now he's employed for another four or five years. Would you like to bet which side has hired lawyers yet to negotiate the buyout that's inevitably coming in a year or two or three? But we always like to judge people how they treat us. And he was great to us. I love Bruce (laughs) Pearl. He's an unbelievable talker. He's always willing to talk. He looks you in the eyes. He calls you by name. But his background, it's not the best. (laughs) There are some problems. And he didn't really exactly cooperate with Auburn's investigation. Yeah. His associate head coach sort of has a little FBI problem going on. I mean, if you're the new AD at Auburn, how in the world do you think, yeah, man, let, let's give this guy a new contract. Was someone else calling and said, yeah, we want all of his problems. We're going to take him. Like, Why would you give him a new contract? Well, he's very engaging. They, he is. They won. they won some games this year. They, they had, a had a good season. Good season. Yeah. He's had a lot of success yeah. over a lot of years. Yeah. But he he's not like the guy that big programs. I mean, first of all, there are, no, there are no jobs open right now, right? right it's the right. middle of summer. Like, basically the job market. Like, what incentive would you have to give him a new contract. They I don't get one. it. They found one. I, I I, mean, they found one, and they're probably going to at some point have to find their way out of it, and it's probably going to be a really expensive thing to do. All right, today on the Bearded Car Cast, a lot of ground to cover. Uh, first, uh, we'll just kind of bullet point, and then we'll get into the, the real topics, but we, we have to discuss... The, the jersey that I'm wearing, we'll get into that. It's not the Jim it's Kelly jersey. It's not the Jim Kelly jersey. I couldn't find the Jim Kelly jersey. Uh, so I Is th- it possible it's one of those things? My grandma used to have a thing where if there was something in my grandfather's closet that she really didn't like, she would make him pack it on vacation, and then it would mysteriously get <laughs> left on like an airplane or a hotel. Like, Is it possible Sam decided that that Jim Kelly jersey didn't belong to the Pacheco household? Um, it's more likely that uh, in the last 15 years uh, before my dad died, um, I, I would have clothes that were left over after I moved to New York, and every year it seemed to be there were less and less of those. <laughs> so I don't know if, if I jettisoned that or if my dad made an executive decision and, and, uh, and, and threw it into the trash heap. But it, now the one thing about that jersey I will say, it was not – I mean, it was recognizable because you knew the colors, and, but it didn't have uh, – and I think it did have the NFL shield on it, but it didn't have, like, bills written on it. It didn't have, like, the bills – Logo, you know that. It like, sounds like something you would have gotten in a third world country. Like, kind of, it, they, it was on it, sale. I thought, for I, some I, reason, be- I thought I would wear it. I never did. I believe you can buy that at the same place where you're very soon going to be able to buy those 2018 <laughs> Cavalier NBA champion T-shirts. Wow. Well, obviously, we'll talk uh, a lot about that. We have some horse racing to get into, so a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we probably need to do a little bit of a, a redux uh, from between game one and game two. Because I know we got a lot of questions asking us what we thought of Game 1. And, of course, we'd recorded uh, Episode 26 before Game 1. 
Uh, but how does J.R. Smith not know the score of the game at that how point? How is anyone talking about J.R. Smith? The block charge call yeah. is the the huge one. Somehow the NBA has transformed into the NFL where you can review most everything and we don't have any idea what the rule what is anymore. Yeah. For a million years, we kind of had an idea what a block and what a charge was. Like we used to know what a catch was. And we kind of had a vague idea of what pass interference is. Once upon a time when they went to replay, you would watch the replay and go, yeah, it's going to be overturned. No, it's going to stay the same. They go to replay now. You might as well go smoke a cigarette (laughs) and come back and see what they decided because there appears to be no rhyme or reason. I've talked to people I respect, people I like, that saw that play equally as passionately in opposite ways. There there are people that said, yeah, no question charge. And just as many, maybe more people that said, oh, it's a block all the way. I I no longer know what it is. So how do you get it right if you don't know what it is? I will say this. You and I had the opportunity to talk to the Big South uh, director of officiating, Joe Forte, a former NBA official. And he went over a lot of block charge with us stuff. This was back, I think, in January we did this. And based on the conversation I remember that we had with him, I don't think there's any question that it was a block. Because legal – I don't think legal legal defensive position had been established. And he was still moving. He was definitely moving, but we're told that that's not a piece to the puzzle. Right. No, but but uh, but the but the legal positioning. I think I don't think he was in a. You legal think he's kind of ducking his elbow? Yeah, I did. I down. thought so. You see, live, I thought it was a charge, and then on replay, I wasn't sure. And kind of the default when you're not sure is to think I think the call on the field is going to stand. stand. Right, right, right. I also think replay. But it's interesting that they. I wouldn't say it was sketchy how they got there, but because they weren't sure if he was inside the restricted area, that allowed them to go then and open the right. And there's box. S- there's some theory that it was the trail official that said, "I think I saw a foot in the right. restricted area." As it turns out, it wasn't LeBron's foot. He just yeah, saw, he saw a foot. foot in the restricted yeah. area. Uh, it's. I mean. Are we at the point though that we you either need to do away with replay or just have a replay official like have a replay official watching something on every play? And basketball, it's too cumbersome. You can't do that. I I don't know. Like it seems to me, you go years, generations backwards to get rid of replay, and now bad calls just stand. Wrong teams win games, but we've gone so over the top that we slow down every image right. and now we have HD and now we have 4K and you micro analyze everything. Like, I don't know. Like, I also think the criteria for overturning calls is just flat out wrong. Like, the idea that it, you have to have conclusive evidence. It has to be 98% or 100%. That's nonsense. The criteria should be... Hey, Coach, 50, we're only 50% sure we got this right. No, it should be <laughs> 51%. What is more likely? Yeah. Like, I want the call to be the most likely correct. You're never going to get 100%. Like, so why should the criteria be 100%? I also have no... But I think the criteria should be a little bit more than 51%, though. Why? Because That's I think more you likely to, that you got it right. I think you want it to be even more likely. More likely than so what? More, more likely. But if you say that it has to be more... Than fifty one percent. You're saying you're saying you're saying there's no difference between fifty one percent and eighty five percent. 
right. I want it to be more than likely. By saying it the other way, yeah. that you think it needs to be more than 51%, you're saying there are times you'd prefer the less likely call. You would rather the 49% than the 85%. No, that doesn't make that any sense. I, but I'm just saying you need to be have abundantly sure of that you're right. But why? Because when what you're if you're more game, than when likely? You're, when you're overturning a game... Like, like that right, but, but, what, but at what percentage should you change your mind? So is 52% good enough? Is 53% good enough? Because if you say 53% is not good enough and the referees say there's a 53% chance that this call should be overturning, you say, no, 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 the criteria is it has to be 65%. Then you're taking the 47% of that call and saying, we're probably wrong, but that's what we're going with. We should ask Siri. Like, Siri, what percentage of the call is this? Is this no, I think the difference being is when you say 51 percent more likely more li- when you're saying more likely I, I i like more likely better than 51 percent because to me it's well, the like, same thing i don't know if it's no I, I i'd say i don't know if i agree with that i just because i think if, if when you say more likely or you say 51 percent it d- doesn't exude confidence in your in your opinion do you think subjective calls like pass interference or block charge should be reviewed? No. Why? Um, passing interference. I, well, block charge and passing interference to me are two different things. Uh, two, two, two different types of calls. I don't know. They're not apples. Apples to apples. It's apples to oranges because it's two different types. Of things. But where do the bananas fit in? Passing the bit of your bananas. Um, no, passing interference. It's so subjective. I, I think. That's the great illustration of the point you're just making is that there's just so many different – like you and I could see the same passing interference call, and I'd be like, oh, it's passing interference. And you'd be like, no way. Like, so, I mean, I think that almost has to – you almost have to allow the, the, the officials on the field perspective to rule that – and this is more of a traditionalist view because you have to allow the fact that referees are part of the game. And what I mean by that is – uh, you know, if a player drops a ball, you don't redo the down over and let him get a chance to get the play right and catch the ball. You know, you don't exactly run that play over again. So replay, while yes, you want the call to be correct as much as possible, I think sometimes you can go a little bit too far. Uh, and that's such a subject. Unless you can, like, I think the new catch thing is going to be interesting to see how that rolls because they've, they've tried to kind of streamline what a catch is in the NFL. I feel like replay, by and large, is a good idea. Because, but I think it's good. Like, get... I think it's good to see. Okay, was the foot on the line? Did the ball? Did the puck right. cross the line? Like that. I think that's where replay is really good. Right. I kind of think the replay system should be shelved and tried over again. Here's the system. Every sport, and I don't know what the magic number is. There are no automatic replays. You never automatically go to the monitor. You never automatically go to New York or Toronto. Coaches get a certain number. Let's call it five. Maybe it's eight. Could be six. Challenges a game. When you're out, that's it. If it's obvious and you've used them all up, that's on you. But you can challenge anything. You can challenge. Wait, I know it was fourth down. Didn't Belichick want to do that? I don't know, did he? I mean, it's fourth down. You don't get it. I'm throwing the flag. I saw holding on that play. Go back and watch it. There's either holding or there's not holding. 51%. But you only get that number of challenges. Because that way... Like the number of mound visits in minor league baseball. Right. That way, you can challenge anything. Right. You can challenge anything you want. But if you challenge trivial things in the first quarter, second quarter, 
that, that's the end of that. So when it's a big play, maybe you get a second shot at it. So you want to challenge that block charge call? Well, you were smart enough to have a challenge left. There are 30 seconds left in the game. You know it's a 50-50. They might not overturn it anyway. But you use that leverage. You go to the monitor when you want to. Other than that, the game continues to flow. The baseball has not done an atrocious job at this. You can challenge what you want. You only have, I don't know, what is it, 15 seconds, something like right. that, to make a call. Yeah, we don't think he had the base second base. Okay, challenge it. No, they're not going to bother. Okay, let, let's move it along. What about the college system, the FBS college system, where they actually review every play, but 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 that doesn't slow down unless they have to, to stop to, re, to, to see it more? I think college, like most of the systems now, is a hybrid, right? You yeah, get you a get challenge one, or two you get or like three. One and a half. And, right, you have timeouts. And, and then the officials can review it. The problem yeah. with that is, though, College games last forever at the end. They're constantly going to the replay monitor. I kind of like the idea of taking all of the power out of the referee's hands, putting it in the coach's hands, and that way you don't have a challenge left. You fail to challenge something, that's on you. You could really incentivize it too by doing something, and I know this would be a huge change to the game so people wouldn't be into it, but let's say you start the game with five challenges if at some point, you want to use your challenges as a timeout. You can take two or three of the challenges and turn them in to a fourth timeout. You can really make it so that they have to think before they use that challenge. Strategery. Strategery. Welcome back to the Bearded CarCast. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman alongside. You can get involved. BeardedCarCast at Outlook.com. If you want to send us an email, we'd like to read jokes, we'd like to hear comments. What do you think about the Bearded CarCast? What do you think about topics? What should we talk about in the future? Should we go on vacation? Should we go on vacation? I think Dave's going to take a few weeks off, uh, or at least he's going to be out of town for a few weeks. So uh, we made... Uh, this would be a good opportunity if you're just joining us guest host on the Bearded Carcast. Go back and listen to uh, episodes 1 through 25, or 1 through 26 in this case, right? You really didn't like last week's episode. Just listen to the first <laughs> no, 25, but, but no, stay I had away. 25, I had 25 in my head. I had the, uh, the golden anniversary in my head. But you can also follow along at Bearded Carcast on Twitter. And, you know, Dave and I are hip. We're Instagrammers now, so you can get – well, maybe not Instagrammers. I'm not but, sure if we're hip either. <laughs> okay. But we are on Instagram. <laughs> Bearded Carcast is how you can uh, follow along. And always uh, subscribe, whether you're listening to uh, SoundCloud. You can always subscribe on iTunes, so we encourage you to do that as well. Warriors and Cavs, the latest installment of the greatest rivalry ever, at least it has been the last uh, four years in the NBA. Warriors taking a two-game lead. First game was close. Obviously, they went to overtime, and then things got uh, a little bit helter-skelter as far as the Cavs go. By the way, in that game one, for everything that people have talked about, J.R. Smith being an idiot and missing a free throw and Draymond Green in the lane, the Warriors in overtime and kind of the pushing and shoving at the end of the game. How does Kevin Durant not box out? Like, how does J.R. Smith even have an opportunity to get the rebound? There are five seconds left in the game. Put your body in the dude and get a rebound. Come on. Find a guy and X him out. Yeah, it's not that hard. I I was having an argument on social media with our old friend Larry Glover, our buddy from Lexington, (laughs) Kentucky, and he said something absolutely ridiculous for a smart guy that he would never want Draymond Green 
on his yeah, team. I'm that. like, do you realize that? And I love Steph Curry and Durant's unbelievable and Clay Thompson is unbelievable. You have to have that enforcer. You have to have that tough guy. Like, Draymond Green is a critical ingredient. Not only is he a phenomenal defender, not only is he a terrific rebounder, he's an excellent passer, but he brings that grit and that toughness. Championship teams have that guy. You need to have the enforcer. You know, you look at hockey, they have the guy that always goes out and protects look the at leading the, score. Look at Washington this year. It's the first time they've put someone next to Alexander Ovechkin that has a little grit and guile. And now Ovechkin doesn't have to be the enforcer. He can be the best player or one of the best players in the world. Tom right. Wilson has been huge for the Capitals. I love that. I think it was Doc Emmerich, right? The line that uh, pucks find goal scorers. Yeah. What a great line. Yeah, but so many times if you watch hockey, you have that A line, yeah. and it's these silky smooth passers, well, like Gretzky these back brilliant in the day. skaters. Yeah. But you need to have someone so that Gretzky doesn't get mauled. Right, right, you have right. to have someone on the ice who, if something goes on, they're going to be the one that gets their yeah. nose in there. That's critical. Speaking of hockey, and, and I know that the ratings go down immediately, as if our ratings could go down any further <laughs> when you talk about hockey, but. Tonight is the biggest game in Washington Capitals history. You're up in the Stanley Cup Finals, two two games to one. You're playing game four at home. You win tonight, and you got three shots to bring that cup home. You lose tonight, you're underdogs. Two of the next three are on the road, and you've really choked away your Big opportunity. Now, I understand it happened to Washington in the last round against Tampa Bay, too. Up 2-1, lost game four. But the money has to be on the winner of tonight's game hoisting the Stanley Cup. All right, let's get back to basketball because I know the uh, NBA Finals – some people have this series being over. I still think Cleveland can win a game it's at home. Over, bro. No, 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 I think it's, it's over. over. No, I'm not saying they're going to win the series. I think they can still win a game. Yeah, they can win a game. I'm not sure that that makes a great deal of difference. But, yeah, they can win a game. But the crazy thing about watching the NBA Finals is the Warriors are up two games to none. I don't think you would say the Warriors have played unbelievably no. well. Certainly not in game one. But... The story of the finals is still LeBron James. Yes. I the Warriors have won. Is two, he the MVP? I, I know it's two games. Is he the MVP? I think so. I think he might be. We had this argument, not you and I, but but the public, the first year the Warriors won yeah. when Andre Iguodala won the MVP. I mean, everyone talked about what great defense Iguodala played, and he did. And, you know, he held LeBron to what, 33 a game yeah. or something? I mean, LeBron is unstoppable. It's a, it's literally a one-on-four, one-on-five situation, and they still can't defend him. I thought Steve Kerr did some interesting things at the end of game one where he ran a couple of guys at LeBron, and that's really what forced that sequence of the missed free throw and the J.R. Smith rebound and and all of that sort of stuff. But you can't the entire game go, yeah, we're just going to run three guys at at him, even though against this team, it's not the worst idea of all time. It's kind of like, remember uh, several years ago when Jimmy Patsos decided he was going to defend Steph Curry when he was at Davidson, but just not guard anyone else? Three guys guarded Steph Curry the whole game? I'm not sure doing that to the Cavs isn't the worst idea. It's not to say they don't have NBA players. They have good players, but they don't have those those great players. I mean, what he is able to accomplish with that cast of characters is it's astounding. Well, and that's the reason I think he's going to leave the Cavaliers. Because how long can you be expected to do that? Especially he can go 15 to he- years in the league. 
Right? I mean, he plays every minute of every game from the start of the season. He plays for Team USA, and it's it's incredible. No one else is asked to do what he does, and then he does it better than anyone else. It's incredible. You know, I felt last week that I felt there was a high percentage that he would probably stay just because I think the ties to Cleveland and, and you know the decision before, it, you know, that didn't really go so well. I'm thinking now if they lose, especially if they lose – Four straight, if they get swept, or if it's like you know four, five games, they four to one. It would not surprise me if maybe he does go to a Houston. Where he why would- not go play with whether it be James Harden or one of the other superstars yeah. in the league? And I don't know, you know, he could go play with Anthony Davis, or he could go play with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, or or whoever it is. But like, wouldn't an ideal situation for LeBron to be play with another star and play with another star that's younger than mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Like, like he shouldn't have to have the ball in his hands for every possession the entire game. He shouldn't have to guard the other team's best player every possession, every game. I mean, it's remarkable. I've, I've never seen anything like it. No, it does go into the whole, and I hate this discussion, but the whole who's greater, Michael Jordan or, or LeBron James. I say, you know what, they were both great. And they were both they both played in different times with different types of players and different rules. But Michael Jordan played most of his career with at least one and sometimes more than one other one of the top five or ten players True. in the league. Now Kevin Love is an all star and a double double. Kevin Love but, is, but a, he's, he's I wouldn't say he's one of the top five players in the league. He's not anywhere remotely yeah. close to a top five player in the league. He's a very good, good basketball player, good player. player, a very good basketball player who is a very bad defender. I mean, he he is a very limited player. What he does, rebound and score, he does right. really, really well. But, I mean, to compare him to Scottie Pippen is no, just an injustice. No. Yeah, it is an injustice. Who's the best defender on the Cavs outside of LeBron James? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, you can't watch a Cavs game and ever view anyone else. Like, yeah. like I watch the Cavs no, play. No, you're watching LeBron. And I just watch, yeah. watch him the whole yeah. time. And that's what I suggested to someone that I was talking to the other day about watching the Warriors. Because I believe that if you put Klay Thompson and Draymond Green on a different team, and then you added one other really good player, not a superstar player, but one of the really good player, that that would be one of the best teams in the league. And the person I was talking to said, yeah, you just wouldn't have enough offense. And I said, but you can get guys like Kyle Korver. Like somebody's going to draft Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen's not going to be a first-round pick, but you can tee him up at the three-point line and, and set up a team. I think if your three best players were Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, and you take whatever their salaries are, and then you add around the salary cap around them, I think you have one of the five best teams in the league. Mm. And that means you're not counting the Warriors' two best players. But if you just watch, I would challenge you, the next NBA Finals game, watch five straight Warrior defensive possessions and just watch Draymond Green. Don't watch the rest of the team. He makes everyone else so much better. So if you're starting your team with three, six, seven tenacious defenders and Clay Thompson, one of the best shooters in the world, that that's a pretty darn good team. Who else has that? Listening to the Bearded Car Cast, I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Freeman. We've already 
discuss the NHL finals, the NBA finals, a lot going on. But, you know, one of the great storylines in golf this year has somewhat been the emergence, reemergence, I should say, of Tiger Woods. And you can join the conversation at Bearded Carcast, Bearded Carcast on Instagram. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Certainly, Tiger provided a lot of drama here in Charlotte when the Wells Fargo Championship was there, at least for the first couple of days. He was kind of in contention. Is uh, golf only a two-round deal these days? I mean, that's no, but, a- no, but but in the I'm, I'm I'm talking about that in the midst. So yeah. like in the middle of the round, the first round, like going into the third round, even the final day, like all right, Tiger's got a chance. It was in the final round that he that he still made a charge here, but there's didn't been quite no make one else in the history of the sport that we make a big deal about finishing 25th. I mean, that, that's what he does. This, this last week, well, now, how much stuff did we have to read about on Saturday? Tiger's charging. Tiger's going to win. Tiger's in contention. He finished T23, six shots off the pace. But people, people are ready for him. People want the, 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 I don't know, the, the, the people that like golf. It's over. It is it's over. over. But I think they want that, that Jack Nicholas moment in 86 winning the, the Masters. Yeah, and, and maybe it'll happen. But... Don't we do this like every two years? Like Tiger's back. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he's no, not really. that good yeah, anymore. No. He's, back! he's back. No, 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 he's not. But, I mean, like, but like, that does tell you about the popularity. Well, he, he's the only one anyone cares about. And and golf is really, really strong right now. Spieth is really good. Yeah. And Day is really good. And yeah, Patrick Reed, even though people don't like him, but Patrick Reed's been playing Patrick well. Reed's really good. And McElroy's really good. And Dustin Johnson's really good. Like, like the number of young golfers that are, are good, it, it's, it's at an extremely high level. But the only thing anyone wants to talk about is old, washed-up Tiger Woods. And, like, yeah, he's not old, washed-up like he was two years ago when he wasn't playing. He's old, washed-up where he sometimes makes the cut and kind of pretends to be in contention. He really plays his best now when he's, like, one of the first off the tee on Sunday and no one's really paying attention. And he goes from, you know, T40 to T20. I mean, he, he's not contending. But people want the American story. The American story is of course. the young kid that rises to fame at the top of his game. He suffers some big pitfall and goes yeah. all the way down to the bottom. And now they want to see him resurrect again. Right, but you can't make it up. No, you can't like, make it up. Like, in order happen. to tell that story, he has to go win something. Right. And he wins about as often as Danica Patrick. <laughs> he just doesn't win. He doesn't win. He doesn't even really contend. Well, these and, days. <laughs> and not only does he have to win, he has to win something that someone cares right. about. So whether that be the ninth major in Charlotte yes, or yes. one of the actual major right. tournaments, yeah. like he can't win an event for you know celebrities. He has to win an actual golf event against real good tour players. And as much as he is showing signs and it's great for the sport and it's fun to pay attention to the TV ratings are really, really good because of it. But until he actually wins something, how, why would you believe it? I mean, if you're handicapping a horse race Mm. and you look at a horse and he's run 22 times and he's finished second, 18 of them and third, three times, he's still a maiden. How are you going to pick him to win that next race? The horse never wins. Right. That Tiger Woods horse never wins. All right, so you're a big horse racing guy. I, I don't get the sense that uh, the Triple Crown is drawing as much attention as we've seen in years past. I'm a bad judge of that because I'm paying a lot of attention. I don't know what the general sports fan is thinking. The Belmont Stakes is this Saturday. The weather is supposed to be better than it was in Baltimore three weeks ago or in Kentucky on the first Saturday in May. Yeah. Justify has been 
very, very impressive, particularly right. in Louisville, right. not nearly as much. In Baltimore, uh, the cast of characters he's running against, it's not an unbelievable group, but his pregnancy was slow. Yeah. And he kind of barely got there. And he is facing some of the same slow competitors, but he's now running three times in five weeks. And he's running for whatever it is, a sixth or a seventh time since mid-February. They're going a mile and a half. He's never gone that before. No one in the field has. It's kind of stacked against him, but it's possible the competition isn't all that good. But the point you made to start is the bigger question. Do people care? Because it seemed to me that when American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown, that was a big deal. Is this not a big deal? But because of context, right? Because it hadn't been like 37 years, right. right? So is it because it's now, do you need to get more separation? Right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the horse racing people said that we needed a triple crown right. winner to resurrect the sport. Right. I, I've been a fan when we didn't have right. one. When we do have one, it doesn't impact me. Right. right. But are you less interested than you were three years ago? I think I am. I mean, now, I will probably pay attention Saturday. We'll have it on at the ballpark because I'll be there this weekend with uh, the Charlotte Knights. But we'll, we'll have it on, and they might even put it up depending on what's going on. They might even, Sometimes they put it up on the big board. Like they yeah. did when uh, American Pharaoh won, we, we played that in the ballpark. I guess the bigger question— Did you cry I did take not off the rest I of the night? Not, I did not cry. I ran circles around my house <laughs> and had something I was supposed to do later in the day and just canceled it and watched the race over and over again. The bigger question is, how would how would Justify do against both of these nuts? Yes. <laughs> a- a- excellent question. There's a fascinating um, Wall Street Journal video that you can find on YouTube, yeah. which compares Secretariat's Triple Crown to American Pharaoh's Triple oh. Crown. And at each fractional mark, they note where each horse is. It's oh. kind of like a split yeah. screen. They're both running the same course. But then when Secretariat gets to the quarter pole, it says the fraction of when American Pharaoh, and you can feel just how much slower yeah. it was. It's really remarkable. That is, that's, that's, And it doesn't take you long because the race only takes two and a half minutes. <laughs> it's an easy read so, or easy watch. So go check it out, uh, Wall Street Journal there. Uh, the other thing is I know you're a huge, uh, you're wearing your Federer hat today. Not competing in the He's French He's not competing Open. in the French. Again, this is right? one of my Federer hats. Yeah. I have three of them. Well, that one is the mo- best, most uh, best condition. Well, it's the newest. Yeah. I kind of like the white the, one's kind of gotten. Uh, I really it's well like, worn. I really like the white one. I like the red one too. The this white one's, one's your the favorite newest. hat, though. Like that's the one you. It's wear. kind of a go-to. Yeah. I like it a lot. But that's I, your Saturday morning. I'm kind of hungover. I'm gonna go to the market and get something. I'm gonna put the Federer hat on. That's yeah, I mean the Federer hat is the best because he's really the only professional athlete that has his own line that you. There's nothing negative to say about. He's kind of the perfect human being. Though we said that about Tiger Woods. <laughs> right up until he didn't become the perfect human being. But I, I love the Federer sandbags these days. He knows he's old. Right. He knows that in order to really compete to win majors, and Wimbledon's coming up in a few weeks, he just passes on the French Open. I mean, there are four majors a year. He only plays in three of them. Can you imagine Rory McIlroy saying, yeah, I'm not playing I'm not playing in the U.S. Open this year to get ready for, for the, the PGA, the British. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, and, and that's what Federer has done. He has managed his career as well as anyone mm. has ever done. It, it, it's incredible. And then uh, Serena's back? 
Sort of. Sort of. I mean, she withdrew this yeah. morning. She was oh, supposed to face okay. Maria Sharapova. And I don't know. I didn't think Serena had played very well. She does not look like she's in great shape. She's just working her well, way. She did just have a baby. Yeah, she, right. Exactly. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she, she, she couldn't go this morning. So Sharapova advanced. And, uh, you know, women's tennis, you and I have talked about it a little bit over the last several months. It's just not in a very good place. No. I mean, the best players have something going on. Sharapova had the suspension, and uh, Serena has the, has the pregnancy. And, you know, e- even when she won three majors a few years ago, that wasn't the prime of her career. The prime of her right. career was five or eight or ten years ago. But no young player has really stepped up. I mean, the Kerbers and the Halleks and the Wozniakis are kind of a dime a dozen. There's just no one that has risen to the occasion. Whereas in the men, it's bizarre that we've had this renaissance of Federer hmm. and Nadal and to a lesser extent, Djokovic. But to watch Rafael Nadal play on the clay courts at Roland Garros it doesn't get any better than that. And yet, they have the same problem as women's tennis. There are not great young players. So this era of these two or three all-time greats has kind of lasted longer than one would expect because there's been no young guy that's come up and taken the throne. Mm-hmm. But but at some point, there will be no more Rafael Nadal. And we'll talk about for the rest of our lives... Oh my God, remember watching that guy on clay? Like, do yourself a favor. DVR one of his matches, whether it be in the semifinals or the finals coming up yeah. in a week here. It, it is, it's remarkable. And the same thing with Federer when he plays at Wimbledon. You are watching greatness. Now, yes, it is a little bit of Peyton Manning at the end. I right. mean, they're, they're not what they once were, but Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl his final year too. I think we should get some red hats and say, make American tennis great again. Because if you were to ask me, and you probably will after I utter this, who the top-ranked American tennis player in the world is, I couldn't tell you. But why does that matter? Why can you only get interested to watch an American? Because we're in America, damn it. But, but the ratings for the NBA all across the globe are good. The NFL is playing games Because I'm an ugly American, Europe, and I want to see but, Americans but that, do well. That's silly. Because at a time, though, because there was a time where we— uh, yeah, there was a time had... that Jimmy Connors was great. There was a time that yeah. John McEnroe was great. Well, th- we don't live in that time anymore. So at some point, there will be good American players. But a country this size yeah. with the advantages that this country has, I'm not saying America but our should be best dominant a- in every sport, but I think that you should be competitive in most every sport. Right, but our best athletes play other sports. I mean, in Serbia, where Djokovic is That's from. That's not good enough, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. No, that's a fair point that in other countries, th- th- they are less. Isn't that the biggest problem with U.S. soccer? Right. Our all... best athletes don't play soccer. No. I mean, that's, that's not to say they couldn't. They right. just don't. Right. So, you know, if your best athletes go and play football and basketball and baseball, well, then your fourth best athlete's right. going to play soccer. Right. Well, no kidding. Italy has better soccer or Brazil right. has better because soccer. They don't have any competition that's where their best players sports. are going. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, in most years, I think we would be talking about how the Seattle Mariners are playing, how the Milwaukee Brewers No, we are wouldn't. Playing, no one cares the, about baseball. No, but that's well, that's the point I'm getting at, is that this time of year, like 10 years ago, you know, the, those storylines would have been in Red Sox-Yankees even. Red, Red Sox-Yankees battling for first place right now. Boston's in front by a game. Uh, but the discussion, yeah, each year, the further you are away from a Major League Baseball city, uh, there's less interest, I think, in Major League Baseball. There's no interest in Major League Baseball. People care about their own team. 
So baseball as a whole, I think there's virtually no interest but even in here, even, In Baltimore, here, the, they care about the Orioles. Right. In San Francisco, they care about the Giants. In Boston, they care about the Red Sox. I think outside of individual cities, I think it's a local sport. Now, once the NBA Finals, once the Stanley Cup Finals wrap up, there are a lot of people that are going to need to figure out what they're using their extra sure. time on. And then, then baseball has a chance. The number one reason, in my opinion, that baseball is successful and popular is the time of year they play. There's nothing else going on. Right. So I think there'll be a lot of people that get into the World Cup, but the U.S. isn't competing in the World what Cup. What World Cup? <laughs> right. So if the U.S. isn't competing in the World Cup, and there are a lot of people that aren't going to pay a great attention if the U.S. isn't competing, you're looking around going, okay, yeah, Father's Day weekend, I'll pay attention to the U.S. Open, and you know maybe I'll, I'll take a passing interest in the Triple Crown, but like, what do you have Tuesday night? Baseball. Wednesday night? Baseball. Yeah. Thursday night? Baseball. And then the Home Run Derby comes around, and then the All-Star Game comes around, and maybe the team in your local market or your favorite team is competitive. I mean, uh, I've been paying sort of token attention to my favorite team, the A's, who are a couple games over 500 because it's great background noise. Yeah. But from a national standpoint, I, I it's just, it's a nothing. It's a nothing until, I don't know, July or August. Episode 27 of the Bearded Carcast with Dave Friedman. I am Mike Pacheco. You can follow along at Bearded Carcast on Twitter, Bearded Carcast on Instagram. Send us an email at Bearded Carcast or Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. All right, so everybody's been hanging in here to dis- discover why I'm wearing this like 1990, late 1990s circa. Um, the maize and blue. The maize and blue. So Jim Kelly jersey didn't work out. Uh, somewhere along the line, it got discarded. I don't know. I, I wish I had a better story uh, to tell you. Karma wants to let Karma out. We're in the Karma kitchen. Karma wants to go out. She hates the maize and blue. She doesn't she like the maize and blue. She refuses to be in the kitchen with you wearing that jersey. Yeah, she does not. She's not a hail to the uh, Wolverines uh, type of fan. So anyway, no, speaking of Michigan, yes, the story of John Beeline interviewing for the yes job for the, the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, very interesting. That is very interesting. I, I, I'm a huge we're both John, John Beeline, Beeline guy, fans, yeah. and I think he's about the only coach in the history of the sport of basketball who coached at every level. I mean, yeah. high school basketball, NAIA, D3, right, right. D2, right. D1, low D1, mid D1, high D1. Yeah. He's won everywhere he's gone, and has never been an assistant coach. At any level, like, doesn't it complete the circuit yes. if he goes to the NBA? It has to. I mean, you know, it's almost, it has to be fate now. Would, would he be successful in the mold of a Brad Stevens, or would he be in the mold of a bunch of guys that made it to the NBA and, and were not successful? I mean, he's a really thoughtful guy. He's kind of a low-key guy. Um, he's an innovator the way he likes to run offense. He really runs very much of yeah. an NBA sort of offense. I don't know why he wouldn't be successful, but we've certainly seen guys go to the yeah. go to the NBA that haven't been. It would be fascinating. But he to may watch. have the temperament to be able to deal with. Yeah, I think so. Athletes. I think that would be interesting to watch. So anyway, so this is another one of those bargain specials at the outlet mall. Uh, in fact, it was on our honeymoon, I think. And I think this was one of the outlets near the Outer Banks. And you made it back from the honeymoon. We made it back. And this jersey, literally, was like $20. And I thought, again, it was one of those things where I was like, man, because we were playing this flag football league, you can wear whatever you want. It's like, yeah, I'll wear this for football. And it's literally, it is 
like a, a replica jersey. I mean, not a replica. I mean, it's like the game-worn. I mean, it's not game-worn, but it has that same material. I mean, it's a thicker material, and it's got the holes in it. Uh, but it was like $20, you know, $20 special, and this is probably the third time I've worn it. <laughs> and it's number 32. Yeah, Anthony Thomas. Anthony Thomas yeah, rushed for, for over four thousand yards for Michigan, and I think he still holds the Michigan uh, I, I per sus- game rushing. Like so, his per game average of like one hundred forty four yards per game. I think that still holds. But I suspect he has no significance to you. No, none, none whatsoever. <laughs> no, none whatsoever. Although, uh, no, we uh, out of college. Some of my buddies, uh, we were, you know, I mean, BC wasn't very good, but after we got out of college, so we we kind of. Picked on some different, picked up some different teams in college. I kind of became a Notre Dame fan just because you know Notre Dame, like, who is yeah. one of Michigan's great biggest rivals. rivals. Yeah, and then uh, but then we liked we liked some of the Michigan teams. You know, it was free agency, so you know whoever you know the best stuff going on, the cheapest stuff at the outlet mall. That's what we did. I I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Well I, I, well, I didn't go to the school, so why would you have loyalty to it? Right, but why would you buy the jersey because it was twenty bucks? Oh, yeah, it was a great bargain. Right, you got to understand all, the how I grew up, like where, where I grew up. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't so much. But but you're currently, it was how much money you saved? You're currently you're currently paying over six dollars a usage of it since you've worn <laughs> it three times in twenty years. <laughs> that's a good bargain, right? No, that's probably not a good bargain. All right, we're gonna wrap this thing up here. I think we've uh, what what you don't have any jersey game jerseys in your closet, do you? No, I, I'm I'm not really. I'm not really into that. But maybe when I go out to the Bay Area, I'll go to an A's game and, you know, uh, I'll just say I need to pick up a... Uh, sunny Gray. <laughs> well, I bet those are discounted right now. This, uh, right, that's, sun, that's on the discount rack. The Sunny, the sunny Gray. Jersey. And then maybe you could wear it when the the White Sox are in town. Well, you I, get on the uh, Matt Davidson and Jason Benetti podcast. Well, I, I, I enjoyed... Um, Years ago, and, and buying an A's jersey, the way Billy Bean goes through players is a really bad idea, but but there was a guy who had bought a Jason Giambi jersey. Oh, okay. Then Giambi went to yeah. the Yankees, and he just altered it into a Jeremy Giambi <laughs> jersey. <laughs> All right. Hey, stay tuned uh, on social media. Keep an eye out for the Bearded Car Cast. Dave, uh, where are your summer travels taking you, Dave? And we're just going out to California. Uh, yeah. I grew up out there, so it should be should be nice. Got to eat some delicious burritos. Yes. That's that's always fun. See some family, hang out with dad, and watch uh, watch the Belmont Stakes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, pretty low key. You can hit the golf ball with your dad. Uh, no, that's his thing. That's yeah. his thing. That's not my thing. But uh, yeah, we're 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 looking forward to it. What about you? You guys going on any trips this summer? Uh, I think we're going to Sunset Beach. Uh, we also have a uh, Hilton Head trip planned. Uh, we'll discuss that coming up because there uh, there could be a controversy with that. Uh, but I'll tell you about that. Stay tuned. That's a tease in the business. We call that. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Episode twenty-seven of the Bearded Carcast. And make sure you follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. Bearded Carcast is the Instagram. And send us an email. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Thanks for listening. Episode twenty-seven in the books.